All right. Um, today we're continuing on in uh, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. And it's dealing with uh, the secular world takes these verses and they don't understand them. And a lot of Christians, so-called Christians, don't understand them. And they, they try to use it the wrong way. And it is an epidemic right now in our culture, this whole philosophy about judging and telling somebody when they're doing something wrong. Uh, so uh, that's what we're looking at uh, today, chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. And it says this, uh, and I don't particularly like uh, this translation, but I, I don't know if any of you, but we've had a lot of spiritual uh, attacks this week, and my computer got fried, and the old laptop that I use, I don't have as much access to my other stuff. So this is a version that's a little bit different. still a good version, it's just not my favorite. It says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in uh, this in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, uh, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be clearly, uh, will clearly be able to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, and do not throw your pearls before the swine, or they will trample them under the feet, under their feet, and then they will turn and tear you to pieces. He's carrying on with this, the same thing. You know what he does in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is he gives us these practical guidelines, and then he starts to illustrate them for us. And that's what he's been doing for uh, the last chapter and a half. And that's what this is uh, today. Because what our whole thing so far is to pursue holiness, perf perfection. You know, he says, what? Be ye perfect for your Father in heaven is perfect. That should be our goal. Will we ever attain perfection on this earth? Not in this physical life. We won't. We should be striving for perfection. You know, I want to do everything I can to be as good as I can, even though then I'm going to fall. That's why he says in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he says, when you make a mistake, you have a lawyer, Jesus, who will intercede for you. But it doesn't mean it's okay. We should always be striving for that perfection. There are three mentions of this danger. We'll only deal with two of them today, and we'll pick up the, uh, the last one uh, next week when, he, when he's talking about that. The danger of being judgmental that he talks about that's basically what we're going to look at today and the danger of being undiscriminating you know what discriminating means right and they say oh well, you, you shouldn't be discriminating you should be against sin and, and that's the concept that he's talking about what does it mean to be judgmental and the danger of lacking a trusting per perseverance and that's what we'll pick up next week we won't look at it but it's the same thought that he's carrying it through the whole thing is summed up in the body of sermons concluded in verse 12 and it is this the danger of being judgmental in the world, this is their take on it. The danger would arise here. The challenge is we want to pursue holiness and we want to be perfect. And that's absolutely right. That's what we should be doing. And as we strive to do that, sometimes it becomes easy because I've made a little bit of progress in my Christian walk. I'll look down on somebody else who hasn't made the same progress I've made. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about judgmental in that respect. Not judgmental to say, well, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You know, that day, this day and time, it's a sin. You know, they call you a hater. If you tell somebody, you know, that's not right. Well, you don't have the right to tell somebody else they're right. That's not what this context is, but that's the way a lot of, un unfortunately, so-called believers take. But really, the world says it. When you say, you know, that's sin, they say, well, your own Bible says, don't judge. Out of context. That's not what it means. At all, that's not what it means. 
All these lesser beings. Oh, man, they haven't made it like I've made it, so I'll look down on Otis. I can look down because I feel better if I can find somebody and look down on, right? <laughs> Lindy Bagwell. Who knows Lindy Bagwell? Okay, he's dead now from Hiram, Georgia. He used to be a gospel singer, but he told these stories. The Rattlesnake song, any of y'all remember that one? Uh, Ralph Bennett's Volkswagen. Go look up Lindy, uh, Wendy Bagwell and look at when I'm on YouTube. Well, he told this story how there was only one person in school that he said we were poor. He said there was only one person in school that I could look down on. <laughs> you know, she was poorer than us, and she said there was enough grease in her hair to change the oil in his tour bus. And he said she was the only one I could look down on. Made him feel better. You know, he confesses his sin, but that's what happens. We, we kind of think, well, I'm doing better as long as there's some backslidden somebody over here who's living less than I am, then I can have a critical spirit and judge them. That's the context in which he's saying, you can't do that. Number one, Jesus is a judge. You're not the judge, but we're not talking about right and wrong. We're talking about you being critical of somebody else who maybe hasn't made quite as many strides in living toward perfection as you have. We don't all progress on the same level, right? In anything, in our spiritual walk as well. Sometimes it takes people sometimes quite a bit longer to make some strides that somebody else might make in just a short time. So that is really what the whole purpose is that he's doing here. They haven't, I won over that temptation and they have, so I'm looking down my nose on them. You know, that's the, that's the spirit in which he's talking about. How about the preacher? You know, that preacher should be farther along than he is. I have, I've gained victory over this, and he still deals with it. So you're looking down your nose. You're being critical. You're being judgmental about that issue. Not right and wrong. We're going to get to there quickly, and we have to hurry, all right? Against that type of spirit, Jesus says, don't be judgmental. You know, I'll judge them. Try to encourage them. Try to help them make some strides. You know, don't think you're better than they are. And that's what they always do. They'll, they'll pick out some backslidden deacon out there somewhere, and they don't want to compare themselves to him. I'm saying, okay, unless Otis gets better, what's it going to, he ain't going to be any different than you are. You know, you don't compare yourself to somebody else, and that's what he says. We'll first look at this, what it does not mean. And that's exactly what I've been saying. It does not mean that we're to be undiscerning blobs who have no opinions. They just say, well, everything's all right because Jesus loves everybody, so they can do whatever they want to do, and it's all right. I remember that scene in the movie Pure Country. It's an old movie with George Strait. Remember that one? Way back yonder. How far back is that? 90s or so? Some of you were not even alive then, were you? <laughs> I forgot how young you are. Well, in that movie, quickly, he's sitting there with the dad at the breakfast table, and the, his daughter and the two guys have run out of the house because somebody has driven up, and they brought George in because he had defended the girl that night or something. Anyway, they were sitting around there, and George is constantly trying to talk to this old guy, and he won't say anything. And finally, the old guy says something, and George said, well, I reckon. And the old man looked at him, and he said, you reckon? You got to know. He said, that's what the world, what's wrong with this world? Everything's open for suggestion. That's exactly what he's talking about. There is a right and wrong, and you've got to be discerning and judge it. Everything is not all right. That is not what this context is when someone says, oh, well, you're just being judgmental. No, Jesus is being judgmental when he says something's right or wrong. You better have an opinion, and you better be discerning enough. Why? Because it can destroy you or your family if you do not see it. Okay? Under any circumstance, well, everything goes. God loves everybody. He does. Does he tolerate everything? No, he doesn't. 
You know what it says in the book of Leviticus? I think it's chapter 17. I think that verse will be in your notes if you go online and look at it. Even back in the Old Testament, it says, Do not hate your brother by failing to correct him whenever he's wrong. What does that mean? You've got to be judgmental. You've got to be discerning and say, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm tired about to run off here. You see the lugs are loose, man, this thing's wobbling. You better do something about it. Well, you don't have the right to tell me that. You're being judgmental. And the Bible says don't be judgmental. That's not what it says. That's not what it means. We're to say nothing, for example, about Hitler. Is Hitler okay? You can't judge that. You know, there are theologists right now, theologians right now, in all kinds of circles. They say, oh, yeah, even Hitler's going to be in heaven. That's quite an advancement than it was even 10 years ago. One of the last books I had to read for school was, that's what they were promoting. I said, what? They lost their mind. Oh, yeah, God loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. No, they're not. No, they're not. What does it say in Revelation? It says, the book, singular. And then it says, the books were open. There's a lot of people that are not going to heaven, and it says singular. One book of names that are people going to heaven. Only a fraction. Why? Because people play church games. Okay, that's not our sermon today. Are we to say nothing about how many people were killed in China? When Stalin, how many did he murder? Millions. Oh, it, it was okay. No, we're supposed to be judgmental. We'll see the, how many things in the Bible where it says, judge not that you be not judged. Is that what it means? To never look at somebody who's doing something wrong and correct it? No, that's not what it means. That's what they're trying to sell us, though. That's what religious people are trying to sell us. Oh, it's everybody to be married to whoever they want to be. No, it doesn't say that. The Scripture does not say that. Nowhere in the world in the Scripture can you validate that. Oh, they want to. Oh, Jesus loves us. Oh, yes, he does. But he still says, hey, that ain't right. Look in verse 6. What does it say? Do not give. We'll come back to that one hurriedly in just a moment. Do not give sacred to the dogs what is sacred. If you're going to call somebody a dog, you've got to be judgmental. And dog, it has a whole different meaning for the Jews, and we'll hurry and get to that end because for them, we're not talking about a little pet that's pretty and fuzzy in our house. It's a wild, savage dog that lived on the streets. And the pigs were not little pot-bellied pigs that you keep. I don't know why. I hope none of y'all have pot-bellied pigs in your house. I don't understand that. <laughs> I've been raised around hog all my life. I don't want one in my house unless he's in the frying pan. <laughs> but anyway... We spend billions of dollars on pets. He's not talking about fuzzy pets. He's talking about savage animals, hogs that were wild, that had touches, that would destroy you. We'll come back to that. But what he's saying is there, you've got to be judgmental. You've got to be discerning. You've got to look at something. A few verses later, what does he say? We'll pick that up in verse uh, next week and next week. Watch out for the false prophets. What does that mean? You've got to be discerning. You've got to be judgmental. You've got to analyze the thing and say, wait a minute. So you cannot say, this is saying, never tell anybody what they're doing is wrong. It doesn't mean that. Anywhere. By their fruit you will recognize them. Boy, isn't that what he says? Here we not only see condemnation, but a means of you've got to be able to analyze it. You've got to be able, if you want to use that word judge, you can use discern, you can use analyze. It means the same thing. You've got to look at the situation and figure out, is this right or wrong? It's not depending on Otis. It's depending on what God says. He just says in your spiritual life, don't put Otis down just because you think you're a little better than he is and you're making a little bit uh, more headway quicker than he is. He says, uh, don't be that way. That's critical spirit. But he's not talking about not doing away with right and wrong. In 1 Corinthians, what does Paul say? Remember that situation? You got someone living with his mother-in-law 
in an ungodly fashion. Paul writes them. He says, I'm not there with you, but I have already judged the situation, and it is wrong. Now, what does that mean? Paul looks at the situation. He said, you ought to kick him out until he repents. And that's exactly what happened. They kicked him out. The man repented, and they brought him back in. That's the whole reason for confronting someone. You want them to get right with Jesus. You don't want them to get farther away from Jesus. But you have to confront an issue if it's a bad issue in their life. Where, hey, man, the tire's wobbling. You better do something or you're fitting to be on the street. You know, you're going to be parked there. Don't you hate to see it on I-75 when people's cars are jacked up over there and ain't no tire on it? Why would you ever go to Atlanta without a spare tire? You know? Hello? I mean, seriously, think about that logically. Why in the world would you go anywhere without some kind of spare tire? But especially Atlanta? Anyway, we have to hurry. That's exactly what was going on. Go back and read it. Tells you the whole story there. He said, I'm not there, but I already condemned it. So you're saying Paul is wrong to make a judgment call on something that's right or wrong? No, he's not wrong. A strong judgment on this situation. In Galatians, he says, if I or even an angel from heaven came down and told you something other than the truth you already know. What does that mean? You got to be able to discern what's already there that's true and what is coming in from the world side, and you have to make a judgment call. If anybody else should come, he says, what? Let them be accursed. You know what that means? Damned. God's curse on them. That's a pretty serious judgment. So when these people come up and try to tell you, well, you don't have a right. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, you do. You better be discerning because they'll come and eat you alive. We'll come to that hurriedly. Let him be eternally condemned, as I've already said to you. Man, that ain't right. And they try to tell us, oh, no, no. In the early church, it was simply this. It's either true or it's a lie. It's either white or it's black. There ain't no middle ground. And they didn't tolerate it. You know, they didn't. They dealt with the issue. And a lot of people kind of cursed them for doing it. He said, oh, no, no. And don't try to pretend that, well, you know, we got to love them and we can't tell them the truth. You better tell them the truth. That's what the Scripture says. That's the only hope they got. I remember when we were in seminary, and the seminary where we were in had just made a turn. We almost left because it was so liberal, and we didn't know it was that liberal because we thought it had already made a change before we got there. And it had not. Uh, so we were in that, that little segment there, and thank the Lord, before we left, Right before we left, God just changed the whole thing. Uh, but one of the ladies who came to speak to Debbie's women's group that were there studying said, listen, and she had come out of lesbianism for a long, long time. And she came and she said, listen, you must keep telling them they do not have to be this way. Lovingly tell them. She said, the only hope they have is if Christians will lovingly tell them you do not have to do this. And she had come out of it. Somebody needs to tell the truth. That's the whole thing. And when they try to tell you, well, you don't have to, you're judging. No, you're not. Jesus has already judged the situation. He said, this is sin and this is not. But most people, now, day and time, if you call somebody out, well, they, you're a hater. Oh, that's hate speech, right? I mean, that's where we are right now, right? That's what all this woke critical race theory nonsense is about. Nobody wants to deal with the issues, you know. Let them burn down the places. They're right. Really? Why is that? Because somebody may have done something wrong 100 years ago. It's okay now to, to do all this? No. No, it's not. Look what he says in Philippians. Watch out for those dogs. There it is again. 
If you've got to watch out for them, that means you've got to analyze it. You've got to be judgmental and you've got to be discerning. He says, what? Men who do these evil, mutilators of the flesh, a reference to the people within the church who's coming in to trying to mess up the church. He said, watch out. They're going to always come in and they're going to look good and they're going to sound slick. He said, but watch out. He said, they're what? They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, we've had a few of those over the years. They come in, oh, yeah, they're, they're spiritual, they're on the way. And uh, most of the time, we only had a few incidences, and most of the church never even knew about it. In some of our small groups, somebody would come in, and they're trying to push on us this philosophy they have, and we have people in our group that are spiritual enough to say, that's nonsense. And we said, we're not doing that here, that's wrong, and finally they go ahead and leave. But they're always coming in. That's the devil's people. And they're, they're counterfeits coming in. They look like it, and they sound good. He says, watch out. So what is Paul saying? Is he going against Jesus' own commandment here? When Jesus says, oh, don't be judgmental, Paul said, you better be. But see, it's different. It's sin, right, and wrong, not just against your brother or sister or somebody who maybe is not on the same level as you are, even though you may have started on the same day. A year into this thing, you're farther along. We don't all grow on the same uh, rate. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody in one year go past spiritually somebody who's been there for 50 years. I've seen it myself. I'm thinking, you should know more than that. <laughs> you being judgmental? Yeah, I'm being judgmental. I'm thinking, wait a minute. You've been in church and you've been reading the Bible for 40 years and this is where you are? And it wasn't comparing to me, you know, because I'm, I'm a new person myself, but I'm thinking, okay. But that's what he's talking about. I can't look down on somebody else, but surely in 40 years they should be a little bit farther along than that, you know. It just means, uh, you know, you know how that works, right? You can be in a job for one year, or you can be at a job for 40 years. Just because you've been in the job place you're in for 40 years doesn't mean you're better than the one who's been there one year. Because if you've done the same thing and haven't advanced your own thinking and process in 40 years, the person who's only been a year might be ahead of you. See, you're not guaranteed that. Well, I, I've been going to church for 40 years. So, how's your life changed? See, we're not going to get done. We have to hurry. Y'all been taking some of that sedatives this morning where you're kind of slow? I don't take sedatives, so I don't know. I don't know how they affect you. <laughs> but look at what he says in John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. What does that mean? You better analyze it. You better discern it. You better analyze it and see what are they saying. Is it true or what do you have to compare it to? You have God's word. It's absolute authority. He says, absolutely. Make sure it's from God. There's a lot of things that sound good that God has nothing to do with whatsoever. Ain't it what Jesus said himself? He said, what? Oh, we, we, we cast out demons. We perform uh, prophecies in your name. And Jesus said, I don't know who you are. There's plenty of religious people going to go straight to hell. Why? Because they have nothing to do with Jesus. It's just this religious thing. So be careful, you know. Be judgmental against the whole thing. In 7, Jesus says to himself, judge righteous judgment. It means do not be judgmental. Do not be hypercritical. Always condemning yourself on a personal or somebody else on a personal level. But it has nothing to do with evaluating what is right and wrong. That's what they try to throw at us. Oh, you don't have a right to tell me. Do not be judgmental. It's pretty strong when Jesus uses the words that he used. He says, I'm serious, guys. You know, you go home from church and you have roast preacher. Y'all ever do that? It's okay. I don't care. My confidence is not what you think about me. I'm not arrogant. I'm like Paul said, my conscience is clear. 
I'm going to do everything I can to tell you the truth. And if you don't like it, all right. If you do like it, all right. I don't care if you talk about me. I've been talking about a lot. I've been harassed a lot. I've been just about anything you can name. Nobody has told me that I did anything wrong. They just have a problem. It's called they're lost. <laughs> anyway, all right. I don't judge, mind you, since the master. Oh, well, you know, the preacher, I mean, the, yeah, the, I'm talking about the preacher because he said we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. And that's the next thing they say. Oh, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being a fruit inspector. Yeah, who is the fruit you're inspecting? You? Are you comparing it to you or are you comparing it to what Jesus said? We find some backslidden somebody out there wallowing in a ditch somewhere and think we're better just because we're not doing as bad as they are. Oh, no, that's not what he says. If we're not careful as Christians, we become that hypercritical. You know, I, I have to watch it because sometimes I know some people and I think, I know they can do better than that. You know, I don't compare them to myself because I have my own issues. I know, I know y'all don't think I do, but I do. I can, anyway. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Un well, <laughs> I can. You mess with the wrong people in my family and I can hurt you. Believe me, I can. And I will. I don't look for a fight, but I'm not going to run from it. You shouldn't. You need to defend your family if they're not doing something stupid or crazy, right? Well, that's not the sermon either. But we're easy to do that. That's what he's talking about here. He said, be careful. And we have to watch that ourselves. It's coming to the place where, you know, I've had all these opinions now, and I want to make everybody understand where I am, so I've got to put down on Otis over there to make me look better. You know, that's what I hate about politicians. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, you should vote for me because I'm better than him. No, just tell us how good you are. Just tell us what you're going to do. I don't care what he's going to do over here. I already know he's a pagan. Tell me what you're going to do. It doesn't even matter if they're in the race. Isn't it right? But everybody does it, even the so-called good ones. They want to lamb blast somebody else to make themselves look. That's what he's talking about here when he says don't be judgmental on a personal level. He's not talking about right and wrong. We have to keep going hurriedly because um, we never have enough time to do what uh, we're supposed to be covering, right? Isn't that right? Let me give you this point real, real quick. Where is it? Uh... Oh, you know, he qualifies this. This is the same thing. He said, you know, the merciful shall retain mercy. Uh, and he follows the same pattern here. He says, with well, the same thing, you're going to be judged the way you judge people. It's the same concept. He just, he's just shown it out two or three times when we get to this. He said, in the same way. You know, here's the way we want to do it. God, get Otis. But I'm doing the same sin, but God have mercy on me. Yeah? You ought to get Otis because look what he's doing. And I know at the same time, I may be doing something worse. But God have mercy on me. You know, the rabbis say that the, the God's operated on two things. That he, he had mercy and justice. You know, we want justice for Otis, but we want mercy. Isn't that right? Uh, David was an example. Remember David in 2 Samuel? David had, uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband killed, uh, all kind of other sins that he committed at the same time. Horrible, horrible sin. And uh, it wasn't bothering him. Wasn't doing anything about it. God said, okay. So he sends Nathan the prophet. And, and Nathan tells him a story. 
He said, you know, there was this poor old guy over here, and he only had one little sheep, and he cherished the little sheep, the little lamb, and he, he loved it and took care of it. He said, this other guy who owned everything else came and took his little lamb. Remember what David's response was? Who is that? We're going to get him. Nathan said, it's you. David couldn't see his own sin. It was a thousand times worse than the guy he had just condemned. That's what Jesus is talking about. Be careful when you start condemning somebody else. Because if you're honest with yourself, you're probably as bad, if not worse. That's what he's talking about. But it has nothing to do with right and wrong. And go back and read that story. Now, what did David do? He repented. Absolutely. The consequences of it were out the rest of his life and the nation of Israel for centuries. You don't sin in a vacuum. No one does. Well, this is only going to hurt me. You can forget that nonsense. Everybody's affected. No man and a woman is an island. You don't sin by yourself and get away with it and it not affect somebody else. David, oh, it cost him, boy. That's the way it is. Sin always costs. And that's exactly what he does. He goes to him and he says, no, you're wrong. But you see, that's where we are. We see everybody else's problems, but we don't really see ours. And that's what he uses. He uses the log and the speck. And I'm going ahead of my notes because we're going to be out of time. But that's what he says. He says, listen. Think about this. If you've ever done any woodworking in here and you ever had any uh, sawdust specks in your eye, what does it do to your vision? Kind of distorts it quite a bit, right? Even if you can see. And he says, how is it that you can see a little thing over there in someone else's life and you have a tube of 12 in your eye? You know what a tube of 12 is? It's 12 inches this way, 2 inches thick. It's big. He says, there's no way you can see what's wrong with them because you're blinded by your own stuff. He says, you need to make sure that you examine your own life first. Try to deal with the things in your life that would distort you seeing what's really going on in someone. Should you be looking at somebody else to try to help them? Yes. Not to just condemn them. But to go to them and say, hey, listen, this is about to happen. We want to help you. We don't want you to do that. That's exactly what happens. In chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, they went to the man he confessed his sin. He repented. The church brought him back in. Always this correction is supposed to be to help someone. We don't want to just criticize somebody and say, oh, no, that's horrible. We want to say, this is what's going on, looks like. We don't want you to suffer from all this. How can we help you get out of that? It's always for reclaiming somebody. That's the whole purpose, not to just put somebody down. And so he says, listen. How in the world do you think you can honestly put down on somebody else when you can't even see your own stuff? Did David see his own stuff? Not until Nathan showed up. We're that way. We don't see our own stuff. Most of the time because we're not looking for it. Why? Because we've already evaluated. Well, I'm not as bad as Otis. So I don't even stop to evaluate myself. Well, you know, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. Otis still does it. So I don't even think about my next thing. You know how that goes, right? You know what they say, right? There's never one addiction. There's always two or three. You always have a spare. You know, you get rid of this and you got to look. You got another one, some kind. And, and this is the way it is with sin. When you first see you're a sinner and you start working on that one, if you're truly redeemed, you'll say, oh, my goodness, I've got a hundred. I don't just have one. So you start working on this one. And then when you get that one done, you say, oh, no, I've got 150. So the more you clean up, the more you see, oh, my goodness, why didn't I see it? Because I was focused on Otis. I wasn't focused on me. 
That's the whole thing he's talking about here. He said, get the, examine yourself always first. Should you go and confront somebody if something's going on in their life? If you love them. If you're doing it just to be critical, he says, oh, no, there's no reason for that. But if you really want to help them, if you really love them, somebody needs to tell them. You know, have you ever had somebody stop and say, you know, you're back tired of wobbling? I mean, literally on your car or truck. Anybody ever had to say that? Anybody ever seen that before? You're glad, aren't you? Why, it could cause you from a wreck or getting killed or something. I remember it was on, uh, uh, I don't know if it was Reader's Digest, but this, this plumber had welded a big old pipe wrench on his bumper, on the back bumper. And uh, he said, uh, this car came up behind him one day and stopped him. He said, you know, you, you got a pipe wrench on your bumper. It's about to fall off. He said, oh, no, it's welded on there. He said, because people are keep a safe distance from me now because they think that thing's going to fall off. <laughs> I put it there for that reason. He's trying to help them. You know, he's trying to help himself. You know, most people would say, if you're doing it with the right reason, in the right spirit, you know, this is going to be dangerous. You need to watch out here. How can we help you? Not just to slam them. You know, Christians are bad about just slamming. We don't, try to, we don't try to bring back the ones who have fallen. We kind of push them on the way. And you can, some of them you can help, some of them you can't. You know, that's it. I remember in our home church, I was, it was before my time and after my time, uh, he was a deacon in the church. Well, it was pretty much known throughout, unfortunately, the whole, everybody knew he was running around on his wife. And here's the bad thing. His grown son would be seen with his dad and his girlfriend out in public, Statesboro, Georgia. Statesboro's not that big. It wasn't then. So people in the church said, hey, you need to do something about this. Well, he got mad. He said, you ain't going to tell me what to do using this. So for about 10 years, he left. What were they trying to do? They should have done that. Well, about 10 years later, he came back and repented, and he said, I am, y'all are right. Man, I was off base, reunited with his wife, was serving the Lord when he died. Why? Because somebody confronted him. You know, that's what this is about. It's not that you don't ever tell somebody what's going on in their wrong life, their life is wrong. It may be us telling you today, but you may be telling us tomorrow. You know, none of us are perfect. All of us are subject to the same kind of nonsense if we're not careful. But we need somebody that loves us enough to say, whoa, wait a minute, Terry. You need to be careful. And he goes on, he says, and he uses an illustration. He says, don't throw your uh, pearls before swine. And be careful what you throw out there to the dogs. Any of y'all ever lived in bear country? You know, you know, they always say, don't what? Don't feed the bears. Do you know why? You can never give them enough so they're still hungry. They will turn on you because they're not satisfied and they will attack you. That's the reason. That's, that's it. It's like this. You said there's wild hog out there in the road. He's walking down the street of Jerusalem. You see a wild hog, and you take these expensive pearls off your neck, and you throw them out there to that wild hog. He thinks it's food. He bites into it, and what is it? It's rocks. So he turns on you, and he's mad. I don't know if you've ever been attacked by a wild hog. I have. It's not a very nice situation. He says he will turn around on you and destroy you. That's why we have to be discerning. There's a lot of lost people out there. If you're discerning, you have to understand right away. And Jesus uses several times. He says, don't throw your pearls before swine. There's a lot of people out there that can't handle it. And when they don't want to hear it, you need to be careful because they will always attack you. 
That's exactly what happens. But you've got to be discerning. You've got to think about, okay, is, is this the right time? Is this people listening? You've got to pay attention, number one. Kind of read somebody and say, okay, are they even interested? If they're not interested, you've got to wait until God does something in the heart, or you're wasting your time. You know, you basically are. And that's exactly what he says. Be careful. Don't throw stuff out there and waste your time. That's exactly what Paul told Timothy, right? Invest yourself in faithful men. You know, you start investing yourself in some person, you see right away, they're not really, they don't really care. They're not really doing anything to get farther and move along in their Christian walk. You need to go somewhere else. God will have to arrest their attention before, because you're wasting your time. And time's too short. You know, I remember reading where a, a friend of DA's was uh, uh, ahead of these other guys on the college campus. And so when they would run into somebody, they were trying to witness. And he said, when we would run into somebody that had all these questions, we would take him over to, I'm going to call him uh, David. He said, we'd take him over to him because he'd been, he'd been, he, was, he was pushing, he was burning the candles on both ends. And he knew a lot more theologically. So we would take these people to him. And he, he went in the meeting with us one day. And he says, now, why do you want to be here? And he'd go around the room about seven or eight guys. And one guy said, well, you know, I just want to see what Christianity is about. And he said, I don't have time for that. And they all said, what? And he said, I don't have my time to waste on that. If you're really interested in Jesus and want another, I'll spend time with you. But I don't have time to waste it on if all you're just going to do is add this to something else you want to do. You know, that's what it means. We have to analyze all these things. Spend your time. You don't have much time. Spend it in the right place. Don't invest it in somebody who doesn't care. You know, you got to be careful because you say, well, you really don't know where they'll be. I know that. That's why you got to stop and you got to think. Who is this person? What are they doing? Are they showing any kind of interest in this thing? You got to wait till God does something in them or you're wasting your time. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You can't just, you, you can't control that. But don't be judgmental if you start with somebody and they're slower than you are, try to help them. Don't criticize them. We do that pretty easy. But you better be discerning about what is right and wrong. Because right now in our world, everything is right. Remember what it said? Book of Judges? What's going on in the Book of Judges? The world is falling apart as far as nation goes. And the Scripture says, And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's where we are. There's no sin. You can do anything you want to, and it's okay. And if you tell anybody anything different, oh, you're being judgmental. You better believe I am, according to the Scripture. Jesus has already judged this thing. I'm not. Check yourself. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you putting down on Otis to make yourself look better? What's going on in your life where you're not using any discernment? You're just going along with everybody else because it's easier to go along and to get along. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to be persecuted. Well, Jesus said if you live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said you will be persecuted. <laughs> anyway, thank the Lord he's forgiving. Aren't you glad? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. It is just beyond our comprehension why you would tolerate us. But, Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to die on the cross to pay the price for our sin so that we could have a starting point to commit ourselves to you and live for you so that we could be better fathers, we could be better mothers, we could be better workers, we could be employers, employees, better both. Father, help us to strive to live for you so that people would want to know you. Thank you for your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.